You can have a seat. I hope that you had a phenomenal Christmas this, this last week. Um, I know that so many of our church are still Christmasing, uh, even today, traveling. And, and having said that, I know that so many of you are here today because you are still Christmasing and traveling. And so if that's you, I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm thankful that you're here. If there is ever anything that we can do to help you, please let me know. I wanted to make you aware, on some of the chairs, there should be little cards like this. Uh, what these are, just a heads up, we are about, as a church, we're about to look at the book of Job. Not this morning, but starting in January. And if there was ever a, a topic, ever a book that our community, our culture wants to hear about. I have found that it's the book of Job. And so I wanted to give this to you on your seat. If you know anyone in your life who you think, you know what, I should invite them to be a part of this. Um, take this with you and give it to them. Uh, it's just a simple card. It just tells them where and when we meet. And so beginning in January, we're going to dive into the book of Job. But this morning... If you have your Bibles, you can grab them and open them to Exodus 20. <clears throat> now, if you're new with us this morning, uh, typically, normally what we'll do is we'll, we'll, find, we'll be in a passage of Scripture and we'll kind of drop anchor and be there all morning and, and really dig in. Well, this morning's going to be a little weird, a little uh, different. What we're going to do this morning is we are going to jump all over the place, so be warned. All right, we're going to be all over the place, but the first place we're going to be is as Exodus 20. So this time of year is a really interesting year, and people like me love this time of year. We think about the future. We think about our dreams and our goals. We have New Year's resolutions that come, kind of come up, and we, we like to think to ourselves, how is this year going to be better? How is this year going to be different? What am I going to do this year? What? And um, hear me, I am not knocking this at all. If you know me, the longer you get to know me, the more you realize that I am a highly goal-driven person. I don't understand people who aren't, but uh, I married one, and she tells me that the feeling is mutual, and most of the time, I'm the crazy one, in these, and she's right. Uh, but let me prove it to you. So a couple weeks ago, our staff got together and had our Christmas, the team here at Stone Oak had our Christmas party. And at the party, we were all given awards, okay? Uh, here is mine. I know it's impressive. Uh, let me read to you my award. My award was most likely to set a goal to set more goals award. <laughs> Can anyone relate to this? Yes? You have checklists for your checklist? Um, I love this time of year because all of you other people kind of, for one moment, get the beauty of setting goals. And I love it. Uh, but here's the reality. As we think about the future, um, 2016, as we begin to fill our calendars and our schedules with our goals and, and all of the things that we're going to see happen in 2016, uh, I want to talk to you today about something that is vital to your walk with Christ, vital to your health, and something, uh, in all honesty, probably you don't think about when you think about your walk with Jesus. And if I can be honest, something that what I'm going to talk about today is something that you most likely stink at this, and I, I'm sorry, but you most likely stink at this because our culture in general prides itself in stinking at this. So what we're going to talk to, 
about today is something, let me just, all cards on the table. Over the last six months, this has been the prominent thing that God has been teaching me in my life. In so many ways, I feel like this morning is just me conveying what God has been doing in me over the last several months. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to go through this. Having said that, uh, let's look at Exodus 20. Uh, Exodus 20 is a pretty familiar passage. It's our Ten Commandments. All right, so Ten Commandments, it's, uh, it's that moment when, when God says, my people, here is the way that I want you to live. Here is the way that I, it's, it's like he revealed his heart and his plan for his people, and he said, here is the way I've designed you to function. Here is the way I've designed you to showcase me to all the people around you. Here is the way that I've designed you to be set apart as a nation. So I'm not going to read all of this, but I'm going to kind of scroll down this a little bit. Um, he starts off verse 1. Moses writes this, that God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And now listen to this. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, an idol. Uh, verse 7, you shall not take the name of your Lord or the Lord your God in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and mother. Verse 13, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And lastly, you shall not covet. So here is the way that my people are supposed to live, is what God is giving his people and saying, live this way. Now, understand this right off the bat. We're going to touch on this again later. Uh, but God's people did not obey these commandments in order to be God's people. They lived out and obeyed these commandments because they were God's people. Right? It's important. They, they didn't live these commandments so that they could become God's people. They lived them out because they were. And as God's people, these commandments just really revealed God's design for his people on how they can live and function. Now, as we fast forward today, these commandments remain true, right? In other words, we as God's people should not be characterized as covetous, liars, thieves, murderers, adulterers, correct? Amen. That's a good one to say amen to. Um, but these should stay true to us. And the same, as I said, in Moses' time, we do not do these things so that we can become God's people to earn favor with God or to earn anything from God. We do these things because we are God's people, and he's revealed his heart for us to live. Um, we live this way because of our love for God and each other, not to earn God's love, uh, which is hugely important. Now, as I look at this, here's where we're going to camp this morning. I want to focus on one of these commandments, uh, one that is often neglected and ignored, uh, I want to look at the only commandment on this list that I have actually heard Christians brag to each other about breaking. The only one on this list that I think could be, that, that could be said about. And uh, so let's look, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to, to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, I mean, he's covering it, or the sojourner who is within your gates. So he, he covers it. God says, I have a designed rhythm for you to function in. Uh, and that is, you are to work really hard. You are to do your work for the glory of God, work well to labor as unto the Lord for six days. Uh, for six days, you pour in. For six days, you go to bed tired at night because of the work that you have done, the good work that you have done for the Lord for six days. That you're the best realtor that you can be. That you're the best accountant that you can be. That you're the best teacher that you can, wherever God has you. That you're the best at it that you can be for six days. But that seventh day is to look different. That seventh day, you must not work. Meaning, if you're a fisherman on your Sabbath, you should not fish. That, that you should have a break from your normal rhythm. The normal rhythm of your life should break on the seventh day. Why? It's a great question. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we Sabbath because we are image bearers of God, and, and God himself, he, he created the world and then rested. And so when we Sabbath, we follow the example of our God who rested on the seventh day. We say yes to God's design and yes to God's example. Um, so for six days, we're to work. For the seventh, it is set apart, made, uh, our text says the Lord blessed it made it holy, meaning he set it apart. Are you with me so far? Awesome. Uh, let's go then to Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5. I told you we're going to be jumping. While you're turning there, I don't know if you realize this, but God actually gave us the Ten Commandments twice in Scripture. Uh, once in Exodus 20, once in Deuteronomy 5, and some of you are saying, well, if God gave it twice, is it really necessary to reread it to us? Yes, it is. Um, I want to read, starting in verse 12, again, this is the fourth commandment, only this time there is a difference. And it's subtle, and it's important. He starts off, verse 12, he says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you should labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, here he goes, or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, your ox or your donkey or your, any of your livestock. Your, I mean, he's really hitting all bases here. Or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servants may rest as well as you. So, so far, verses 12 through 14, what we see here is, is almost word for word verbatim of what we see in Exodus 20. It's almost word for word, but in verse 15, let's notice the difference. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, 
And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So do you hear that? In Exodus 20, and here's where I want, what I want us to see. In Exodus 20, God says, My people, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Work hard for six days, rest on the seventh, because I am your God, and I worked hard for six days, and I rested on the Sabbath. God ties the command to creation, okay? In other words, in Exodus, we rest because God rested. Now, in Deuteronomy 5, God says, my people, remember the Sabbath. Work hard for six, rest for one, because I brought you out of the land of Egypt and you are no longer slaves. The difference is huge. Think of it like this, church. uh, Slaves don't Sabbath, Slaves can't Sabbath. They, they are known and valued according to their work. Uh, rest is not an option because rest is a byproduct of freedom. Those who are free can choose to rest. Uh, and here in this text, God had come, delivered his people from slavery, had given them the gift of freedom. And this commandment was a way to say those who he had already brought out, ex-slaves, don't go back there. Don't go back there. Ex-slaves, do not go back into slavery. This was a way to remind God's people of the freedom that they now have because of God's work. Don't go back to Egypt. Uh, Let's think of it like this. There's a book, I love this book, written by a pastor and a writer uh, named John Mark Comer. And uh, he's writing about rest. And he if finding rest uh, specifically as a pastor, but also as a follower of Christ, uh, finding rest. And he says it like this. He says, in Exodus, Sabbath was a way to say yes to God and his perfect design. In Deuteronomy, Sabbath was a way to say no to Egypt and its system. So Sabbath was a way to say yes to God's design and also say no to Egypt's slavery. So let's fast forward a little bit to our day today because slaves still don't Sabbath. Slaves still do not, they cannot choose rest, um, but we have been set free from slavery. The slavery of thinking that our value is found in our work, the slavery of thinking that our identity is found in what we do and how we produce, uh, the slavery of thinking that we are too important to take a rest. Uh, God came, uh, Christ came, we've been set free through Christ. So now we know that our value is in Christ apart from the things that we do. Our identity is found not in our work but through Christ. And this is wonderful to realize, but there's a joy of realizing that if God was not too important to take a rest, neither are you. Neither are you. We are free for freedom he has set us free. And and slavery is a way that we both say yes to God's design, yes to God's example, and no to the world system, and no to slavery, the culture's slavery. So for a moment, let's talk a little bit about the culture of our world. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we live in a very go, 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 perform, 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 um, produce kind of culture. We're always on, always. Um, this is a funny thought. For some of you in this room, and I'm not gonna judge you because I love this, but if I were to text you right now, 
Your phone would ding in your pocket. Your wrist would vibrate. Your bag would ding for your tablets in there. And then also it would alert you on your home computer. That is incredible. We are so deeply connected and we're used to this. Believe it or not, there was a time not that long ago where one could go to the store or take a walk or go to dinner without a phone. <laughs> that gets claps. Okay, we'll, we'll take that. But that wasn't that long ago. This is a kind of a new thing. And by the way, I'm not ripping technology. I love it. I absolutely love it. But along with it comes a dark side and some temptations. One of those, let me just talk about me for a moment. Um, I can work anywhere. I am not tied to an office. I'm not tied to a place, a time. I mean, I have my devices. I have my phone. I can work anywhere. So when I rest, when I Sabbath, it must be intentional because my work follows me. Some of you in the room, you're in the same place. Even if it doesn't follow you physically, it follows you mentally. But our work follows us. Now, what makes it worse is that I really love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. Uh, for example, there's a lot of joy in what I am doing right now. And through technology, I get the ability to be in preaching mode all the time, as long as I want. I can prepare as long as I want. I can dig. I love it. I, I get the privilege of leading a team. How cool is that? I love that. And if I wanted to, I could be pouring into my team, it, really annoying them, 24-7. It doesn't stop. Uh, I, I get the opportunity to serve you as pastor here at Stone Oak. I love it. And through all of my devices, I am able to stay connected with the thing that I love. I'm able to stay locked in, dialed in, connected. And before I know it, I can become a slave and think that I can no longer take a break. I can no longer take a break. And a slave to a good thing is still a slave. Right? A slave to a good thing is still a slave. And God has called us to freedom. And so just right off the bat, think of your life. Where are you a slave? Because God has come, Christ has come, that we may have freedom. Now, I want to talk about just two things that Sabbath does for us real quick. Number one is it reminds us that the world doesn't revolve around us. To my surprise, the world still happens when I take a break. Um, the world still, things still somehow get done when I take a break. Because Sabbath reminds me that the world doesn't revolve around me. Number two Sabbath allows us to live into the rest of God, God's rest. We're going to spend the, the rest of our time talking about this. But it allows us to lean in to the rest of God. Um, in your Bibles, if you could turn or scroll or click to Hebrews 4, chapter 4. Chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 9. I will have this on the screen for you as well. Um, and while you're, getting, while you're getting there, I just want to remind you, I know that so many of us have Bibles on our devices and all of that, which is great, uh, but 
if you need a Bible, if you're here and you don't have one, please allow me to give you one. We have uh, a very depleted quantity back there. We're going to be getting a new box uh, soon. But on that back table, we have a couple hardback black Bibles that we love giving away. So please, if you don't have one, you do now. On your way out, grab one. We don't need any information from you, anything. Just grab one on your, on your way out. Now, Hebrews chapter 4. It says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we could spend so much time in this verse. Really, it was, took a lot to not just camp here and make us go late because there is a lot in this verse, but I'm going to be good. Um, but look at this. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's good news. Strive for it. Strive for it. Strive to enter it. Um, don't rush past this because our culture is very high pressure, high energy, high tension, high stress, high blood pressure, all of it. And here, God is literally inviting you to enter into rest. Literally inviting us to enter into rest, to pause. Sabbath is a way that we do this. And so as we think about this, I want us to uh, spend the rest of our time answering two questions. Why and how? Why and how? And I want us to begin with the why. Why Sabbath? Why? Uh, isn't this an Old Testament thing? Isn't this something that is tied to really the Jewish people and not to us? Aren't we grace, not law, all is this really something for us as a church, right? Is this really something for us as a church? Didn't Jesus even clash with the Pharisees about this very same thing and being legalistic about the Sabbath? Isn't, is this really for us? So I want to start with answering the why question in two ways. First and most importantly, I want to answer it on a theological level. And secondly, I want to answer it on a very, very practical level. First, theologically, um, think about this, church. Jesus Christ came into this world, sent into this world, as we've talked about, because of the perfect plan of God, that he came and he lived a perfect life. He died a brutal death. He was mocked, falsely accused, beaten, arrested, crucified. Hung on that cross as our perfect sacrifice, meaning that all of our sin, church, past, present, and future, all of it was, was taken by our Savior on that cross. And in exchange, we were given the perfection of Christ. It was this beautiful, beautiful, incredible exchange um, where a perfect and holy God could save and enter into a real relationship with imperfect and unholy people. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved, and he gave us something we do not deserve. He died. He was, he was buried. On the third day, he rose. He conquered death so that through Christ's death is powerless to conquer you. 
And get this, he fulfilled every commandment perfectly. Every one of them, including Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Including the Sabbath. He was perfection. And all of this was given to you by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That not only do you receive victory over death and sin, but you receive the joy and the peace and the hope of resting in Christ and knowing that you will rest with him for eternity. Sabbath rest in Christ is our way of aligning our hearts with his. Um, But even more than all of that, and I need you to hear me here, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath, and you cannot know Sabbath rest apart from him. Let me show you what I mean. In uh, Mark 2, Jesus here is talking to religious leaders, talking to Pharisees. Listen to what he says. He says, And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is reminding them that Sabbath was created to relieve men from their labors. And ultimately, isn't that what Jesus did? Taking, relieving you from your labors, the labors of trying to achieve salvation through works, relieving you of the labors of trying to gain favor, favor with God. The labors of trying to be good enough. And hear me, this is the good news. For you as a Christian, true Sabbath really isn't even limited to one day of the week, but your life in its entirety can be lived in a place of rest. Complete rest. Although I rest once a week, my life in its entirety can be in rest because Jesus has ceased forever the need that we can place on ourselves to work for God's favor or preferential treatment or anything like that. That through Christ, we can experience rest now, but not only that, we get to experience heaven, which we will rest in him forever. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath, and and. Through him, we experience rest, both present rest and ultimately eternal rest with him. Um, Some of you are here and you are absolutely in need of rest right now. Like you are absolutely in need of rest. If you're honest, you're searching for it, you're crazy. There is no rest to be found apart from Christ. But through Christ, there is a rest that no one and nothing can take away. And here's my point. Sabbath rest actually proclaims the gospel. Sabbath rest actually proclaims the gospel in that when we rest, we say, Jesus, you have this. And we can rest in you. Sabbath proclaims the gospel. Now, listen to this. Right before this scene in Mark that we just read about, uh, where Jesus said that, that Sabbath was made for man, that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Listen to what he says right before that. This comes from Matthew, but it's that same scene, okay? It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You hear this? That you can find true rest for your souls. There's no rest apart from Christ, but in Christ, 
we have ultimate rest. Ultimate rest. Because Jesus, our Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. We can enter into that rest. And one more thing before we move on and, and get somewhat practical. Um, remember, as we said, that, that Sabbath both, both says yes to God in his ways and no to the world in its ways, to the slavery of the world. Well, listen to this. Uh, Romans 12, which I'm not going to read all of it, but it's this, it's this passage that's telling us, uh, submit ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. And then it says this, do not be conformed to this world. Do you remember this passage? But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I love this verse, but think about it. How are we not going to be conformed to the world? Remember, the Sabbath says no. It says no. So the way that we are not conformed to the world is when we say no to the rhythm that the world tries to put us in. And Sabbath is one way that we can do that. So through Christ, we enter into rest, and through Christ, we also say no to the slavery of this world. So let's think about this. Theologically, why do we Sabbath? Because we celebrate the gospel that we no longer have to work for God's affection. Because we celebrate our Savior, who's the Lord of the Sabbath, we say yes to God's design and command, and we say no to the world. And there's this beautiful and very real rest that we can enter into as God's people. Now, beyond theologically, let's talk practically, really practically. Why Sabbath? One word, wisdom. What do you do when a computer's not responding? Uh, for those of you who are Mac people, Apple people, when you have that little spinning we color wheel, we call it the beach ball of death. It just spins. Nothing's happening. Your computer's locked up, and it's just spinning. Or what, it, what happens when you get home and your printer doesn't work or your router? Those are the worst. It's just not working. No Wi-Fi in your house. What do you do? Well, unplug the thing, right? Just unplug it. Power it down, yank the power. Church, you are a lot like your electronic devices. You are a lot like your electronic devices. I've heard it said that with most electronic devices, so many issues can be fixed or solved by simply unplugging it for a little. The same can be said about you. And it is so true. Sabbath is wise. Sabbath is wise because you're living into the intended design that God created you with. God created you to function in this way, and it's beautiful when you do, and living into it is wise. Um, and practically, how is ignoring it, how is that working for us? We are overcommitted, overstressed. We pride ourselves in our busyness. At the beginning of our time, I accused you of stinking at this, and I apologize for that, but it's so true that we as a culture, we struggle with this. Um, one of the most, let's just take community, for example. Next week, we're having Community Sunday. It's going to be a huge week for us, but let's take community. One of the most prominent deterrents from us stepping into true community is our busyness, is the fact that we have no margin for friends. We have no margin for life. We are stretched thin it's almost like if Satan could just keep you busy. Sabbath is, has this beautiful way of saying no. 
saying no. Uh, how, how many times, how often do we read something in Scripture that convicts us and we want to act on it, but our first reaction is, well, I don't really have time for that. I know it happens to me more than I'd like to admit. Sabbath has a way of unplugging us from that madness and saying no, saying no. Um, this is huge. God has designed and created us to Sabbath, and it's, it, practically it's like everything in us is craving it. Everything in us is, is, is craving rest. It's because God designed us with this in mind. Sabbath is wise. Um, and because of that, because theologically, practically this is true, let me talk for a moment about the how question. How? Uh, this is important because Sabbath is difficult. You would think that resting wouldn't be hard, but it is. It is very hard. It is, I'm speaking from experience, this is very hard. Sabbath is not just a day to not work. Because for any workaholic in the room, you know a day to not work is torture. Because it's not, it's not restful because a day of not work can become the day that you're stressed about the work that you should be doing. Right? It's, it's difficult. And approaching Sabbath like that will not only not give you rest, but it'll probably give you a lot more stress. It'll probably just add to the problem. And, okay, honesty moment for, for a second. Um, this hits me hard because several months ago, it was actually last summer, my, uh, my wife said something that stopped me in my tracks. Absolutely stopped me in my tracks. It actually started me down this, this road. Um, it was actually last summer. Uh, for years, I have protected my day off. For years, I've had a day off, and we've been pretty good about it. I've been, me having a day to not work. Um, and we've been good about it, but one, at the end of one of these days off uh, this summer, Candace said something that God just has wrecked me with. She said, why is it that you are in your worst mood on your day off? Ugh. Like a ton of bricks just hit me. Um, it was a dagger because it revealed that although I was taking a day off, I was not Sabbathing well. I was not Sabbathing well. I mean, think about it. As I said, I'm a planner. I love goals. I love plans. And so for six days of the week, I would find so much fulfillment, and I'd be going and going. And then it came to the Sabbath, and I would plan nothing. And I would just live in this, ugh, like, mood at all times. Um, I would approach Sabbath as though it would naturally happen and as though I would naturally know what I'm doing. That was not the case. Then I realized that all throughout Scripture, God's people always prepared themselves to Sabbath. They would get the food out the night before. They would cook it. They would plan. They would, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, but they would clean their house the night before. They would do their shopping. They would get ready. So when they woke up, they were set up and ready to Sabbath well. I was doing none of that. Sabbath rest, when it's an afterthought, you will most likely ignore it or just, like me, just really stink at it. 
But if we intentionally hold it up as, as this monument to say both yes to God and no to the world, then we can actually begin to enter into the real rest of God. Um, and it can be so difficult. And just for a moment, I am not going to kind of legalistically prescribe, here's the way that you do this. Because some of you are in seasons of life where rest and Sabbath is going to be very, very difficult. Very difficult. Um, when Sabbath may look different. I think, for example, for anyone in the room who, let's just take a stay-at-home mom. Okay, for six days of the week, you are an awesome mom. You feed them. You bathe them. You keep them alive. Somewhat well-behaved. It's awesome. You work hard. You work hard. What happens on the seventh day? Well, you don't stop being a mom. You don't stop being a mom. And so rest can be so challenging, so challenging. And I'll put it like this. If it were easy, we wouldn't struggle so much to find it. It's not easy. It is not easy. But church, it's worthy of the struggle. And I say that to say this. If you're in a season right now where you've just said, forfeit, rest right now is not for me. I'm not in a season where I can Sabbath right now. Please don't believe that lie. Please do not believe that lie because it is a lie and it will lead you to a path that you do not want to go. It's worthy of us fighting for this. Do not give up on it. So how do we do this? How can we Sabbath well? How can we lean into that rest? Well, I want to give you three things that have been really crucial for me. As I said, this has been something that I have been journeying through. I am by no means a master of it, but I'm fresh. I mean, God has really been working on me through this. Let me give you three things that I have found huge in my life, extremely practical. Practical Since, since Jesus has saved me, since there is perfect rest in him, and since I'm invited to enter it, here are three things. That I, that I believe will help us Sabbath well. Number one, plan for it. Without a plan, chances are it will not happen. Okay, it, it's not going to happen. Um, going back to all of us, you know, struggling to find time, struggling to find the space. I mean, without a plan, chances are rest is not going to happen. Um, like the Old Testament saints that I, we were just talking about. There was a plan to rest. There was a plan to Sabbath. They planned for it. They anticipated it, meaning they calendared it. Okay? We're coming into that fun season where, where all of us become goal people for just one week. Um, as we do, and our calendars begin to fill up, our planners begin to fill up, plan for it. Plan to rest. Number two, prepare for it. Without preparation, chances are that it will stress you out and not happen. Just as we talked about it, let me put it like this. In Jewish culture, Sabbath actually started the night before. So it ran from evening to evening, okay? Um, maybe you should start to think of your Sabbath this way. What they would do is the night before they would set the stage so that when they woke up, they could Sabbath well. They not only planned for it, but they prepared for it. They laid the groundwork. We prepare, prepare yourself. 
Not only that, prepare your family to be able to Sabbath well. This is so practical, but so important. So plan for it, prepare for it, and lastly, protect it. Protect it. So many things are going to try to take away your Sabbath. So many things are going to try to steal that time, to steal your focus. Maybe you're Sabbathing, but your mind is over here. So many things are going to try to do that. Protect it. I love that my phone, which I don't have, I love that it has this little thing called do not disturb mode. All my devices have it too. That's AKA Sabbath mode, right? I love it. Find ways to protect your Sabbath because if you fail to protect it, it will be stolen from you. So we plan for it, we prepare for it, we protect it, and this is huge because, church, there is ultimate rest. And if you're searching for rest apart from him, I promise you, you will not find it because there's no vacation, there is no trip, there's no time off, there's nothing that will give you, that will satisfy that need in your life for rest apart from Jesus Christ. If you do not know Christ, no matter how much you search for rest, you will not find it. But Sabbath, Christian, reminds us that that rest is is yours. Sabbath gives us the regular opportunity to rest in Christ, to remind ourselves in the busyness of the, the peace and the joy and the rest and the goodness of God that is ours through Christ. If you are here and you don't know him, come to him. In him, there is rest for you. In him, you have a relationship with him, and in him, you can know salvation. Hear me. Listen to this again. Um, Listen again to the invitation of Christ, all right? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to him and find rest. Plan, prepare, and protect those moments. And if you're here and you're not sure where you are this morning, please don't leave here without talking to me, talking to one of our leaders. We're here. We want to pray with you. We want to help you in any possible way that we, that we can. Um, Let us be a people, church, who chooses not to ignore the fourth commandment. Instead, let us be a people who chooses to use the fourth commandment, to use the fourth commandment as our way of intentionally saying yes to God and his beautiful design, to say no to the world and its slavery that it's offering us in our way of leaning into the rest of God 